largest infrastructure project the city's ever seen. We're making history here. This project was built for Kansas City by Kansas City. They're still employing people to this very day. It's so warm and welcoming. This just represents the growth of the city. A new tradition, new opportunities, and opportunities that truly reflect our whole region and its diversity. Something that Kansas City is going to be proud of for, for generations to come. Welcome to KSHB 41's limited series podcast, Now Boarding, year one of KCI's single terminal. I'm Taylor Hymnus, morning anchor at KSHB 41, and I started this podcast because this is, I think, a rare moment in time in Kansas City. We don't get billion-dollar city and region-altering additions very often, and the new terminal definitely qualifies on both those fronts. I wanted to create an easy outlet, hopefully, for listeners to follow along for this first year of the new terminal from lots of perspectives. There's no need to listen to all of these episodes or even necessarily to listen to them in order. This is episode three, month three of the new terminal with my conversation with pilot Sam White from Delta Airlines. In this episode, you're going to hear some pretty interesting things about not only our new terminal in Kansas City, but just the way that pilots operate. There are parts of their job that I never consider. Also, one quick note before we begin. I'm still recording these conversations on Zoom, so there might be a couple of moments where Sam's audio drops just a bit. I don't think it will keep you from following along, but my apologies in advance for some spotty sound. Enjoy. So glad to be joined by Sam White. Sam is a pilot for Delta who lives here in the Kansas City area. And I was excited to talk to you, Sam, because pilots and their perspective on a terminal, I think, are something that are obviously very unique and something that I have no idea about. As a traveler, I can talk to someone who, who flies a lot and get a little bit of, know a little bit about what they're talking about. But I, this is a perspective that is totally foreign to me, so I appreciate your, your willingness to talk about it. I'm happy to be here, Tyler, to, uh, Taylor, to um, uh, share my perspective. Thanks for the time. Sam, how long have you been flying for Delta? Uh, I've been flying for Delta Airlines for going on six years. This is my sixth year. From the perspective of a pilot, let's start here. What is, what is the airport? What is, what is a terminal matter to a pilot? Not necessarily, we'll get into specifics of Kansas City in a moment, but just when you're flying into or out of somewhere, is it all the same? What's, what's unique about a terminal or an airport to a pilot? I think that's a really good question because I think one thing that people don't account for in an airport terminal, other than getting a person from point A to point B, but for all the people in the process that work on that point A to point B connection, there's a myriad of people and activities that have to work together to make that happen. And I'm just one small part of that. The terminal in particular has to be efficient enough to facilitate several aircraft and passengers to get in and out in several different types of weather conditions, um, you know, efficiently. And not just that, it has to be flexible enough to absorb not just weather conditions, but, you know, construction uh, on the ramp or construction on the runway. So, and the terminal plays a huge role in that. So, you know, the terminal is not just a... um, embarking and disembarking point. I mean, that's exactly its function, but it has to fit into, you know, a jingle puzzle of other things in order to make this whole process work. I'm based out of Atlanta, Georgia, most of the time, which is the busiest airport in the world. But one people, uh, what people a lot of times don't realize is, you know, man, this airport is huge and there's, there's huge distances between each terminal, but space is designed that way to facilitate up to 5,000 flights per day. Uh, into and out of the end of that airport, you know, and although the scale is a little bit different here at KCI, the whole process is very similar. So there's a, there's a 
there's a reason why the terminal looks the way it is, and it's to facilitate airports into and out of a very congested area. Sam, give me some examples of when you're flying into or out of a terminal, whether it be Atlanta or KCI or, or wherever you'd like to, of something you're, that, that you notice as a pilot going, oh, I'm really glad this is fill in the blank, and maybe a pet peeve that you have noticed. And again, you don't have to identify the airport or terminal if you don't want to, but something you may, from your seat that you may go, I don't like it when they do that. Give me an example of both of those things. I can give you a specific example. Um, so, you know, in poor weather like we have in uh, Kansas City, uh, a lot of times we have to, we call it, uh, what we call this de-icing. So we have to spray the airplane with uh, this fluid. It takes the ice uh, off the airplane wings and tail so we can fly safely. Um, airports that have a very efficient and effective way to do that, um, whether it be right off the gate or in a remote area, makes the whole operation um, a lot cleaner. And it makes the flights get into and out of um, that area much faster. Under our old design, we had to de-ice de and uh, park basically in the same area. So, in other words, if somebody was coming into Terminal B where Delta Airlines goes into and out of, if somebody was de-icing, that would block all the gates for all the inbound traffic. So, you'd have to sit out there and wait for the person to de-ice, which usually takes 15 to 20 minutes before you can pull off. And then if there were other people at gates right next to you also waiting to the ice, it would just jam the whole process up. And that could be very frustrating. And, you know, passengers can't see this, but as pilots, you're like, man, if we could just put this whole activity somewhere else, people could get into and out of the gates and do that de-icing thing somewhere else and, and everything would work better. Under this new design, that's exactly what's happening. We, we can get off the gate, go to a remote area to de-ice so we can get the ice and frost off our aircraft safely, but yet allow people to get into and out of the gate area. So that, that really comes to mind as one of my biggest pet peeves of, of airport operations. What about a pro? Something that you notice when an airport or a terminal does that you're like, I, not everyone does this, and I'm really glad when, when they do this. Is it also weather-related? Is there something else, maybe? Uh, sometimes it's weather-related. Um, you know, have you ever been at a place where um, you get there, uh, and then the pilot says, hey, uh, we're waiting on our gate to come open, you know, and um, and it can be frustrating because you think that you're early, but, you know, you can see the gate and you got a connection and you're starting to stress. Um, some airports are more flexible than others in order to facilitate other, you know, open gates. And that's the balance because you don't want to have a whole lot of open gates because open gates aren't making money or, you know, supporting embarking or disembarking of passengers. So uh, airports that have the flexibility to get in open gates um, um, is, is really a plus, as well as um, alternate ways to uh, get people onto and off the airplanes. So say, for instance, we have to divert airplanes because of a huge weather system. And so we have to bring more airplanes um, than can normally be held at an airport in this airport. So airports that are able to get you know, air stairs, which you like to this back back in the seventies and eighties. If you guys remember, we used to dr drive it up to the airport or to the airplane, and you can get off like that. You know, and to get fuel. So if we uh, if uh, we want to do a quick turn, and you know that weather system is passed, and um, and uh, and we can get fuel to the airplane. That's something. Both of those things are something that KCI has, has been very good at. You know, even with the old terminal, is they've been very um, they have they have a very unique except 
many more airplanes and get us sort of all bed down while we were waiting to figure out what we can, uh, we could, what we can do. You might remember during the pandemic, we had a lot of airplanes parked at KCI um, because of that ability to uh, kind of take care of airplanes. I do remember that. Something you just said made me think of what may be a very stupid question. And I should say, and I've said this on a couple of times on this podcast, I am by no means a frequent flyer. I mean, I like average one a year. I just don't fly a whole lot. I have small children. We drive anywhere we go. So this may be a dumb question, especially for people who fly a lot that have experienced this. But you mentioned the de-icing. Is it a that, that timing perspective of having to wait for somebody else to because this is de-icing? Is it possible to have your plane de-iced and then have to wait so long to have to have it de-iced again because you sat for so long? Is that a thing? Yes, it is a thing. And it's something that we actually think on our app on our iPads to count in a timer that lets us know when we have to either get inspected again or just put more fluid on it. It tells us how, how long the fluid is good for. So that's not a bad question because that's, that's actually extremely important. Sun wings are not good. And so we, we paid a lot of attention to that. As well as ice in the engines, you might uh, hear while we're sitting out there waiting to take off every 15 minutes or so, you'll hear the engines run up. We do that because there's a minimum engine setting that allows the uh, the uh, anti-icing system on the engines to work. And so we basically run up those engines so that that process can work. And you can't do that everywhere either. So terminals need to be arranged so that airplanes can uh, safely run up their motors so they won't be blowing over baggage carts and that kind of thing. And so that this new terminal actually allows us to do that as well. So you've been flying for six years for Delta. And so you have flown into and out of former terminals, current terminal now that it's been open for a few months give me <laughs> pardon the pun give me a thirty thousand foot uh take on old versus new from the pilot seat yes yeah, so the old terminal um was designed basically with the uh the pre-9-11 i call it criteria so you know uh when the security uh was significantly enhanced you know we had uh, before the uh, the security was uh, significantly enhanced all the amenities like restrooms, restaurants, et cetera, were outside of security. Um, after 9-11, we had to redesign the way we did things. And so to me, one of the biggest uh, um, advantages, especially somebody who flew into and out of the terminal, you know, is to have you know, um, enough restroom facilities for the number of people that are in the area. So you know, when I used to fly into KCI in the old terminal, you know, typically I'd want to go to the restroom and get a sandwich or something. You know, and I have to go outside of security because the restrooms inside of security, there's a huge line because there's only three stalls for like 400 people, you know, and there's only sandwiches and there's no hot food. And so you have to go outside. So that's from a worker perspective, you know, all those flight attendants and pilots that are doing what we call turns, you know, you, you have about 50 minutes or so to, to uh, disembark and be plane and, and get that taken care of. So that's one of the biggest advantages. The, uh, the other huge advantage of the new terminal to me is um, the ability to uh, get people into and onto the airplane quickly and safely. So we have about 50 minutes uh, or so, between 50 minutes and an hour, to get 200 people off and 200 people on. And that's not a whole lot of time. And get that airplane cleaned. You know, and, and under the old terminal, all those people were going through a very small neck <laughs> of entryway where they're basically climbing over each other in order to get onto and off the airplane. And also, you know, a lot of folks, because, you know, terminals have to be designed to accommodate a range of things. 
which is a challenge. You got to have a people who's their their uh, their first time ever flying, uh, and so the whole process can be somewhat overwhelming. Somebody who does this every day, and they can sometimes get frustrated with the people who you know just are trying to find their way. And so it has to accommodate all of those folks. So, and unfortunately, a lot of times people, you know, when they don't know exactly what's going on, you know. They pick those at small entry point and exit point is the point of decision making, right? And so they're trying to figure out what group they're in or uh, if they're going onto the airplane and they're trying to figure out, um, um, you know, where the baggage claim is if they're getting off the airplane or their connection. So all those folks are there in the same exact spot. In the new terminal, there's a lot more space to have all that happen, a lot more space. And so um, I think that facilitates both passenger comfort and awareness as well as um you know operations airline operation airport operations in a more more effective manner um, to the point of of uh, like new passengers this new terminal also has a simulator for a simulated passenger experience where it'll take you from basically you know checking in all the way to the end so you can kind of get that you know that first rep if you will before you kind of go and join the fray so i know that was a long answer but you know that's that's what I, that's what my, I think about it. I got to say, the thing that's surprising to me about your, I don't mind a long answer, but the thing that's surprising to me about it is how much you as a pilot are talking about passengers. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me because if I really sit and think about it, your job flying the plane is going to be pretty much the same as soon as you sit down in that cockpit. As long as, I mean, you know the plane and planes that you may be flying the dials are the same. The gauges, you know what you're supposed to do. Once you get there, the only thing that may impact you is what kind of weather you're flying through, I, I assume. It, I, I was, I'm I, was, surprised I didn't expect you to hear to, to you to talk about passengers affecting your job as a pilot as much as you did. But I, if once I heard you explain it, it was like, well, yeah, he's got to do get these people on and get these people off. I, it feels like that's something maybe people don't realize about what a pilot has to do. I don't think people really do. And, um, you know... Um, Typically, a pilot will fly three to three to four legs a day. You know, sometimes less, sometimes more, but three to four legs a day. And um, our job is to get the folks that are on our airplane with their bags from wherever they're going to where from where they are to wherever they're going safely and on time. You know, so I need if in order for that to happen, I need everybody to get on the plane on time safely. Um, with all their stuff, you know, and so um, it all sort of fits together. That's just our, that's just our, that's our job. And if I get delayed at the beginning or in the middle, it just propagates that delay all the way down, right? And I don't want to rush because rushing is unsafe, but, but the more things that can, so it requires us, especially as pilots, because the, in the pilot role, you're sort of the, um, you're sort of the, uh, the muffler of the whole orchestration. So we're watching the people putting the bags on, we're talking to the gate agent, we're talking to the flight attendants, you know, we're monitoring all that stuff because at the end of the day, we're the ones who release the brake and, and allow for the pushback. And that and we have to make sure that that's all done safely. So um it's not in a cocoon by any stretch because you know you really have to understand all everything that's going on. In fact, we have this app in our group chat where we communicate with each other, and it's not just in the airplane, it's at our headquarters. It's um, it's at the airport. The airport staff. Uh, we all communicate with things that you know may go wrong, whether it be bad weather or missing uh, equipment on the airplane, malfunctioning equipment, um, 
your connection issues. All of this communication is going on. Um, and I think another thing that folks need to realize is we're be- most in most cases, you know, we're all human beings, of course, but in most cases, we're doing all of our, our very best to make all that happen. You know, you know, it used to annoy me when people say, oh, here, Delta is doing this again. They're making me late. You know, I really have zero incentive to make anybody late. You know, in fact, I'm incentivized to put it on time. And I'll tell you, our gate agents have a ton of pressure to make things on time. You know, but my pressure is to make sure it's safe. Um, you know, I, I can't take somebody there because I'm I'm physically on the airplane. I always chuckle when somebody thank me, thanks me for a safe flight. And I'm like, in my back of my mind, well, I'm on here too. So, so I really would like- yeah, to- I want to get there too, pal. I really want to get there too. So uh, random question, flight related question, piloting related question, as far as what you're able to do. Make up time in the air when that time does not happen the way you want it to. That that process that you're describing where you lose X amount of minutes because something happened on the ground. I've heard a pilot say, we're going to try and make up some time in the air. That doesn't mean anything to me. I don't fly a plane. I know if I'm going to try and make up some time on a road trip, I'm going to not stop for snacks three hours in, that kind of thing. Tell me what the capability of making up time in the air really is from a pilot's perspective. A really good question, and uh, like most responses, is it depends, right? So um, we are very meticulous in planning the amount of time it gets it takes to get from the gate to your destination. And so um, our planners back in Atlanta for Delta uh, take a lot of things into account. For instance, if they think we're going to have to get iced, they're going to add that time in. They're going to add ten to fifteen minutes. Excuse me, depending on the airport, because we track all this data. They know exactly about how much time it takes to get de-iced at MCI. They know how much time it takes to get de-iced at uh, DTW. They know the taxi time that it takes to get from the gate to the planned runway. They know much how, how much time it's going to take at certain times a day to get from the runway back to your gate because it varies depending on the traffic. So all of that is considered. Um, and that's, by the way, your time that's on your ticket. is from your gate to your gate. And so when the pilot says wheels up to wheels down, that's actually just the in route time. That time that's on your thing, that's why they don't ever match because the time is that's important to you is when you get onto and off the airplane, right? Um, so when they talk about makeup capability, and they also uh, plan in if there's weather patterns in between your desti- uh, your uh, uh, departure point and your destination and we have to go around it, that's all planned. Um, the speeds that we fly, we, we fl- uh, fly the most economical speed uh, that we can fly. So if you think about a car analogy, if your best mileage is at 65 miles an hour to get to your destination, um, then, you know, that's what you would drive to save you the most money. Well, that's what we plan. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, if we want to be on time, we, we have the leeway to speed up. So we do have some speed up capability um, to get to wherever we're going in a, in a lot of cases. So that's where we can make up time. We can either speed up, we can take shortcuts because maybe that weather system isn't there anymore. Um, we have, uh, sometimes we have standard flow patterns because it's like big highways in the sky and they're not necessarily direct. It's not necessarily a straight line. Right. Uh, so depending on what airport you're going to, you may have to like get into the flow of traffic, especially going to like New York or Atlanta to get, you know, in line, if you will, to land. But if it's during a period where maybe it's not as much, um, traffic, maybe you can just take a shortcut, uh, just like on, a, you know, uh, on yeah. map, just take a shortcut. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the most what's the most time you've ever made up in the air just to give me an example of what's possible uh, uh you know i don't know that specifically but i mean i've made up you know it also depends on the leg length 
So, you know, if I'm flying from Kansas City to Atlanta, you know, I just don't have the time available to make up a whole right. lot. But you could probably make up, depending, you know, five, ten minutes. Five, ten um, minutes. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if I'm going from L.A. to uh, New York, I could make up a half an hour, you know. Um, so it's that's possible, depending on the variable. Yep. And, and by the way, the, all of those numbers are padded, you know. So we, we, we give our crews, you know, every opportunity to get out on time, you know. Uh, they also give us a pad for like, you know, what if something breaks and we have to take, you know, five or 10 minutes to figure that out. So, you know, it's, that's why a lot of times we'll end up early because, you know, we just, if we have a perfect departure and nothing goes wrong and there's no delay for taxi, you know, they yeah, we're half an hour early. Yeah. So it, it can vary that, that much. It's impressive to me because the only thing I can compare to it all is the rundown of a television newscast. Like we have from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. that we have to fill up. And we also have to fit in certain commercials. There are certain have tos of what I'm going to do during that hour. But then there's also, can I talk a little faster? Can we drop this soundbite that we don't really need because we can run it later on? That's the only thing I can relate it to. But what's interesting to me is the way you describe it is the amount of both specificity and malleability built in, into that. And that's that's on the scale that Delta, for example, is having to do it. That's that's pretty impressive. Right. And then kind of the last thing to consider, if you get too early, remember that whole gate thing that I mentioned earlier, Yeah, you could get so early because all these things have to mesh together with a bunch of other flights. Right. So the gate that you're going to, you know, that, that airplane has to be gone. So if, if you get there and there's no gate available, then there's no point of being that early. And someone's tweeting about how long they had to sit on the plane. Exactly. On the exactly. And so we exactly. really don't want to do Right, yeah. right. Because you're really not on time until the passengers are off the plane. Right. <laughs> Let me ask you about the construction of the new terminal from a pilot uh, input standpoint. Was there ever any point over the last three plus years that you or any pilot you know was asked to give some input into, hey, we're building a new terminal. What, 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 what would you like to see? What would you not like to see? Um, I mean, not me directly. But I know that we, um, so at Delta, we, the airlines make significant inputs in the terminal design and construction. So for right. uh, KCI, Delta and Southwest in particular, which are the two biggest carriers out of NCI, had the, had lots of input on how, how they wanted this terminal to work. And so, you know, I, I'm guessing that our companies solicited input from all the work groups in order to make that happen. So yeah, yeah. when a city, when a city puts an airport together, they most definitely bring in airline input because that's basically their, their customer. And an airline's not going to make those kind of recommendations without knowing exactly what their pilots need, want, hope for, et cetera. I think that's, I think that's correct. I mean, yeah. um, um, and it's, you know, and like I said, we're one of many work groups that all have to come together like make the whole operation because we, you know, we're all about being on time with all your stuff. So, yeah. you know, all the things that kind of play into that, I'm, I'm guessing that they solicit inputs to make sure that happens. What's something, because as I mentioned in the intro of this, this, I started this podcast just to kind of cover this first year uh, because you don't get new terminals all the time. It may be 50 right. years plus again, hopefully that long until we need another one, new one in Kansas city. What's something that you are watching over the next year, let's say, of I wonder how this is going to play out. Like, for example, you mentioned the weather a good bit when we talked earlier. We didn't really have any snow event once 
NCI opened in late February, we did, we haven't we didn't in you know in March or April or anything like that. We didn't have a severe weather snow event yet. So our first one's still still coming for the new terminal. Is there is it that? Is there something else that you're going? I wonder what this will be like when it happens. Yeah. So really, the biggest thing that I'm wondering was going to uh, the the next new change I think to air travel is the um, the um, the the advent of these air taxis that you probably have heard about. And so we've stopped, many airlines have stopped service to smaller towns um, and, and make it to, like to, and to focus on major, uh, mid-major and major cities. And so the, the concept, though, is to get the people to, to solve that last mile, is to get people from those smaller towns to the airports and these, these air taxis. And I'm just wondering, you know, where do we fit them in the airspace? Because you know you got airplanes still landing here, and then where do you put them in the embarking, disembarking, kind of deconflicted from the terminal, but yet close enough to get them? You know, you still got to get them to the terminal. So you know, all these quadcopters are coming airborne from you know all over the place, 360 degrees around KCI. How are we going to bring them into and out of the area? And get the passengers from there to the to the airport terminal. I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, Sam White, pilot for Delta. I'm going to give you open mic for just a second. Is there anything you'd want to tell passengers that you <laughs> like? What you tell your family at Thanksgiving whenever they're complaining about airlines? Or what, what do you like to tell people when you can? Yeah. So um, you know, I, I've actually, unfortunately, I've interviewed a couple of times. I've heard people complain about you know the walk. Um, from uh, the the far terminal to uh, terminal B to the you know the uh, the parking lot. Yeah. Also complained about you know uh, you know uh, the, uh, the 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 old ease of picking up passengers from the uh, the old terminal and and I would just say hey you know this is this is our modern terminal. First of all, that terminal that we had did not necessarily represent a great first impression of Kansas City. You know, this new terminal, when you show up, you know you're in Kansas City. You go to any other terminal around the world, um, and you know that you're in that city. And it has... There's a, there's a fingerprint whenever It's you a walk. fingerprint, and it's your first impression of that city. You know, and now I can be... I mean, I'm very proud of, man, you know you're in Kansas City. You know, you got the fountains, you got the barbecue, you got the Chiefs and the Royals gear, you got Kate. You know you're in Kansas City. You've got local restaurants kind of represented. So, I mean, um, you, don't, you shouldn't have to do a... 30-minute car ride to realize that you're in Kansas City. You should get that as soon as you step into the terminal. Second is, you know, do the same sort of logistics that you, that you would do at any other airport. I was talking to this young man uh, the other day uh, complaining about the airport, and he had lived in Beijing, and he was complaining about the walk. And if you've never been to the airport in Beijing, I mean, you're walking. <laughs> you I was going to say, I haven't, but I would imagine it's a pretty big spot. And I'm like, that walk is nothing you know, compared to that. And, you know, so um, I would say balance your disdain for walking with all the other benefits that this new terminal brings, yeah. uh, which, which, which is, you know, like I said, de decongestion at the gates, bathroom facilities, as well as local food. Um, the last thing I would say too, is just follow the protocol when picking up people. You can't just pull up to the curb and wait 45 minutes. There's a cell phone lot. Wait for them to call. We got cell phones. It's, you know, back when we had pay phones, when they're the old, old terminal, that was the thing, but now we have constant communication. So you're not going to miss them. It's going to be fine. So yeah. just, well, just follow the airport protocols that like you would do in any other, um, 
uh, airport. Right. Well, Sam, I appreciate your time today. And uh, next time I take a Delta flight, I'll, I'll have my fingers crossed that it's, it's you flying me wherever I'm going to go. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate you. Thanks again for listening to episode three of Now Boarding, a limited series podcast from KSHB 41. We'll have another episode for you next month. If you have questions or suggestions for people to interview, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or just email me at taylor.hymnus at kshb.com. For future episodes, I'm looking for people who live near the airport, maybe for people who work there. Those are some examples of who might be next. So if you'd be willing to chat with me about that perspective, please reach out. See you next time.